Greetings and welcome on board WKOK Sunrise. I'm Mark Lawrence. I'm so glad to say back on the news line with us now is Sharon McDonald. She's a senior extension educator and a food safety specialist at Penn State. Uh, at the end of our program, we'll emphasize that you can go to extension.psu.edu and find out more about the seminars and the various activities that the extension agents are up to. And so we'll emphasize that now and at the end of the program that this website is going to be a clearinghouse for the information we're going to be talking about. We are going to be talking, really, this is a science lesson today, trying to find out what it is that when you are preserving food, what are the sciences that are applied here, what makes for a safe guideline to do this and a safe product when you get it out. I guess maybe what's the science of selecting good quality things to preserve is part of this. So we're going to pick up quite a few lessons along the way today. Sharon, thank you so much for calling in. Well, thanks for having me back again. I do appreciate Glad that. Glad to be here. Yeah, the food safety message you gave us uh, uh, caused quite a few ripples around here. Got a lot of downloads and a lot of folks listening to it. So that was just in time for some of the holidays, and so we think the summer picnic season will be safer because uh, of your lessons. Well, let's kind of start at the beginning. Why is food preservation being more talked about uh, these days? Over the past, I'd say, 10 years, we've seen increasing interest in preserving food at home. Um, And certainly last year with the pandemic, when people were kind of stuck at home and making gardens and having a lot of uh, food that they needed to preserve, um, the interest rose tremendously. But I think it kind of goes back to, to people are interested in knowing, you know, what's in their food, how it's been preserved. Also, just the whole idea of of eating more local um, and less chemicals and additives in food have really contributed to um, more interest in in the topic over the last number of years. Well, I think folks did pick up maybe some lessons learned during the pandemic that uh, there might be times when you can't get to the store, or even now you go to the store and they do not have uh, that which you are seeking. I also think uh, maybe the big snowstorms we had over the winter may have been a factor when it was just difficult to get around for a while. Folks thought, well, geez, I go to the store every week for everything I need. Should I have a longer-term storage? So I think that's probably how this came up. So let's talk about, first of all, where you would procure the things you wish to preserve. Let's start at the beginning, uh, whether you're growing it at home or you're going out to the store or elsewhere to buy things. Where will I find the quality products that I need if I'm going to do food preservation? Well, I think the majority of people are are growing their own products, their own vegetables, uh, maybe getting from a local farmer or farm stand, farm market. Um, especially that, I would see things like fruit, that peaches, apples, those kind of things that you wouldn't necessarily be growing in your yard. Um, I know CSAs are popular, so sometimes you can get additional, um, if you're a member of those, you could get additional food from them as well. Um, so those are, I think, really the best sources because there you're getting the food um, fresh fresh from the vine, you know, fresh, fresh, fresh from the field. Uh, so you're starting with a really fresh um, and quality product. And, and that's really the beginning, no matter what method of preservation you're using, you want to start with a good quality product, no mold or no bruising, no damage to the food um, to begin with. All right, so basically something that you would want to eat, uh, 
you know, either now or months from now, you sort of want sort of the unblemished version of some of these vegetables and uh, fruit or whatever it happens to be that you are preserving. So farmers market, CSA, uh, growing things at home, and maybe the grocery store might might be one place where you can find these kinds of things. All right, so we are going to preserve food. Uh, how how what is next along the way? Well, the next step would decide what preservation method you want. So the the main home food preservation methods are canning, freezing, and dehydrating. Um, and I would say, you know, most people or probably the more popular form is freezing of food. It's um, a little bit easier, not quite as time intensive as canning or dehydrating food. Um, so that's why a lot of people do it. Also, it doesn't really heat up your kitchen like, like canning would. Um, so freezing, the maybe the only drawback there is that you do um, need to have a deep freeze in order to, to store your food for that long-term storage. Um, and with freezing, then you would have the energy cost of the freezer. But um, it is a, a easy, safe way to uh, preserve your food, whether it's fruit, vegetables, meats, uh, what have you. And I would say the one thing on freezing that we often get questions about, especially with vegetables, is whether or not I have to blanch them before I freeze them. And, you know, we really feel that you need to do that if you want to end up with a quality product. Uh, That blanching, which is just submerging in boiling water for a, a period of time and then dipping the food into ice water to stop the heating process, Um, That whole process really inactivates those chemicals in food that will continue to cause it to ripen over time, will cause uh, color changes in the food and texture changes. So um, if a food calls for blanching, you definitely want to do that um, so you end up with a good quality product when it comes time to, to thaw it out and eat it. All right, so you're not going to totally avoid boiling water if you're doing the freezing process. And then if you're doing canning, uh, I, I certainly have paid attention to the fact that at our house it is done in a very specific way with specific sanitation and specific temperatures. It, it's not left to chance. Kind of walk us through that if folks aren't familiar with that. Yes, with canning, I would say the first um, step after you have equipment and whatnot is making sure that you're using the proper method for the food that you're going to be canning. So uh, when it comes to food, we really kind of divide it into two categories, either high acid foods, um, and those would be foods that would have enough acid in them um, that you can preserve them in a boiling water bath canner. So things like fruits, uh, pickled foods of any type, Sauerkraut would be a high-acid food, um, and then those you can do in a boiling water bath canner. The other category would be what we call low-acid foods, and those would be things like plain vegetables or meats. Those you have to do in a pressure canner because under pressure you're able to get to much higher temperatures uh, to destroy, in particular, the Clostridium botulinum bacteria, which if it's not destroyed, can cause botulism, which is a very uh, serious and and potentially deadly foodborne illness. So make sure you're using the right method. When it comes to tomatoes, 
those are very popular as far as canning is concerned. They're kind of on the borderline between a low and a high acid food. Um, so with tomatoes, we always want to what we call acidify those, which means that we're going to be adding some additional acid to make sure we can safely process them in a boiling water bath canner. There's sometimes when food is preserved with paraffin wax, I think of that as a jam or a jelly, and other times you're using canning lids. What's the difference? What's the application there? Well, actually, the the paraffin wax, we no longer recommend using that. Uh, The reason behind that is that there's a a greater chance of spoilage um, of your jams and jellies. Um, When we process, even jams and jelly, we recommend processing in a boiling water bath canner now. Um, And that means that when you're processing, you're actually driving the air out of the jar and you're destroying all those spoilage microorganisms or other microorganisms that might be present. So you end up with a better quality product uh, with less chance of spoilage. So that's something that's kind of gone by the wayside over the years as we've had more Uh, research and understanding around safely preserving food. And what's the ultimate goal? Explain what quality products and produce and meats and whatever else we may end up with. If we do this right, what's the end game? Right. Whatever method you're using, it's very much science-based. And the reason for that is that by using the correct methods, by using tested recipes, then we're going to be sure that we're going to be destroying um, those harmful microorganisms that can be present in food or those spoilage microorganisms that can be present in food um, in order to make sure that in the end we have a a safe and a quality product to use. Um, So no matter what you're doing, we want to follow those tested guidelines, those research-based guidelines to ensure a good quality product in the end. That's always what our our message is that, you know, the jars on the shelves look pretty, but, you know, with when it comes to canning, freezing, and drying, um, it's not a creative process. You want to follow those guidelines. All the way back around to extension.psu.edu. Explain what we'll see with some of your webinars and online resources. We're doing a whole series of webinars this summer on a variety of topics, freezing, drying, fermenting food, pickling, pressure canning, um, all sorts of topics. We have a webinar almost every week on on some topic there, so you can check those out. Uh, We also have resources, what we call Let's Preserve, um, is a series of fact sheets on all sorts of, again, home food preservation topics. Uh, that you can download from our website. So if you're getting ready to to can pickles, let's say, um, you know, check out our fact sheet on quick process pickles, and it'll walk you through the process step by step, so that you you know have a successful canning experience. We'll give you the last word. Anything to add to our uh, brief discussion here about what is a a complex topic that really has a lot of science to it. Just if you do have any questions, uh, contact your local extension office. Uh, we have a, a what we call a food safety hotline. So if you have a canning question or a food safety question and you can't find an answer for, call your extension office and we'll get that out to somebody that can answer it. And um, just enjoy the summer and happy preserving of food.
We're on the news line now with Sharon McDonald, a senior extension educator and food safety specialist from Penn State University, a Penn State extension specialist in this particular area and future programs. We'll talk about uh, tick illnesses and disease and a wide range of other topics. We can talk about eating on a budget and really gardening will, will come up again. Sharon, thank you again for being on the radio today. Thank you.